guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Plant Medicine, Cannabis, Psychedelics, and Pharmaceutics. I'm your host, Dr. Lola, also known as Dr. Ho, a clinical pharmacist and plant medicine specialist. This show is for educational purposes and should not be taken as medical advice. Consult with your doctor for all your medical needs. Do not start or stop any medication without talking to your doctor. Having said that, we need to do house cleaning. <laughs> what is our house cleaning? This show is sponsored by WCI Health. At WCI Health, we help you level up on your wellness journey using the healing powers of plant medicine and education as tools. WCI Health is the makers of Glow CBD infused product, and they also have various functional mushroom products. Go check it out on their website, WCI-Health. Having said that today, I have a really, really special uh, folks with me to talk, I mean, mental wellness, uh, psychedelic uh, wellness, and a little bit of geeky stuff. <laughs> We're going there today. We are having a little geeky stuff. So today I have with me Dr. Prash Postpanitin. Uh, yes, did I get that right, Dr. Prash? I'm going to call you Dr. Prash or Dr. P. <laughs> I am not going to model that beautiful name. And I also have with me a doctor in the making. We have uh, Agnieszka Sekula. She is a PhD candidate. And first of all, I want to say a little bit about this amazing folks. Agnieszka, they are into uh, virtual reality and into psychedelic therapy. I'm going to ask you, Agnieszka, can you talk to me a little bit about yourself, what you have done so far? And I'm going to go come to Dr. P next. Go, sure. go for it. Yes. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Um, my background is in medical science. Um, I've been working in biomedical uh, science for the past decade. And I've been using virtual reality across different fields of medicine. Um, I've been working um, in forensic medicine using VR for crime scene investigation. Um, I worked at a space agency using VR for Mars mission simulations. Um, so I'm very familiar, very intimately with VR um, for different approaches. Um, and I've been always very passionate about um, the very unique properties that VR brings into medical science. Obviously, it's a very powerful educational tool and research tool. Um, but I've been always very curious about more immersive properties um, of that technology um, and also this um, state altering properties of this technology. So what do people experience, how they actually feel uh, when they're in VR mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. how can this be used for therapeutic purposes? Yeah. So um, I got increasingly more interested in therapeutic approaches of VR and um, went back to uni, did another uh, master's in clinical psychology. And at this point is when I discovered psychedelics. Um, yeah. so I came to it very much from an academic perspective. Um, yeah. I read the, the papers that were uh, back then, um, the, uh, the reports on the first um, sort of new wave studies of psychedelics at Imperial um, and was very impressed with their results that they had um, and seemed to me that it was one of the most promising approaches yeah, we can take yeah. to mental health today. Yeah. Um, and this is how 
my journey began um, on combining those two methodologies. Um, and, uh, we're going to go into details about, uh, about virtual reality. I mean, when you're talking about VR, virtual reality, what comes to your mind? <laughs> For me, I start thinking of my three teenage boys. <laughs> Teenagers, mm -hmm. young adults, or oh, video games. So how do we go from video games and now into mental wellness and uh, using these powerful uh, models as tools? I'm going to go to Dr. Prash. Dr. Prash, talk to me a little bit about yourself and how you got here from the medical field right into the geeky stuff. <laughs> yeah, the geeky stuff. Um Yes, I, I'm a doctor. I did my training in psychiatry purely to work with psychedelics. So unlike the, I think a lot of people in the field now who are maybe psychiatrists then discovered psychedelics, I went the other way around. It's psychedelics that led me to psychiatry. Um, and this was, you know, I, I've been, at least for the last seven to eight years, I've been one of the more outspoken advocates for psychedelic therapy in Australia. I've always been more of a, a traditionalist who, who really believed in the power of the of the plants and the power of the plant medicines uh, until this one came along. And um, Agnieszka, who started to sort of plant the seed of virtual reality. And uh, similar to what you've described, yeah, virtual reality was always a very different world for me. We always sat very firmly in the sort of entertainment and gaming sphere. And it took about six months of um, Agnieszka feeding me her, her thoughts on this before before the penny dropped, and I really understood how it wasn't. You know, yes, it is it is used mostly now in the gaming and entertainment space, um, but one that's not where its origins came from. Um, you know, that its origin stories was very much in the study of how to create uh, and work with altered states of consciousness. Um, that, uh, and that brings me uh, to my first question for you. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to throw it to uh, Dr. Prash because you were the one talking, then I'm coming to you next, Agnieszka. Uh, I mean, you guys refer to yourself as pioneers of VR, virtual reality, integration in psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. And before we even dig deep into that, <laughs> you know, I have a background like you, Dr. Prash. I was born in uh, West Africa, where we use plant medicine as wellness too. And as a clinical pharmacist myself, bringing it's like bringing the best of both work together. So, I, I mean, this is what our forefathers used as tools before we have pharmaceuticals. So when we're talking about using virtual reality and uh, psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy, can you help us, help our audience even wrap around their head into how do we go from VR to uh, mental wellness? Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, I think the important thing is to uh, understand that we're not trying to interfere with the actual psychedelic experience. Um, we remain, you know, very firmly convinced of and believers in the power of these medicines, and a lot of our aim is to keep the actual experience of the of the medicine intact. Um, what we principally want to work on is all the other elements that surround that psychedelic experience, which are the human elements. That is the environment, the the context the psychotherapy, the integration models, these are all the human elements that we have brought into this as opposed to the actual medicines, which nature has evolved over, over millennia. And this is where VR as being a very, very effective tool in helping to augment and modulate those human elements of the experience. 
um you might want to talk about um, yeah take it take it from there agnieszka yeah, so as, as Brash says, uh, we are focusing very strongly on the altered state of consciousness and using that as a starting point for our work, our research um, and development of our VR models. Um, so VR in itself can be a very powerful tool for mental health, but the way we use VR with psychedelics is uh, quite unique. So it's not by using VR to, for example, target any specific indication, uh, which is usually the case in the way VR is um, used in mental health at the moment, but rather we are using it very uh, very strictly to connect with the altered state of consciousness and to create a framework around psychedelic treatment um, that is putting that psychedelic experience at the center. So connecting back with that psychedelic experience um, as much as we can through the use of the immersive technology. So we are using it throughout the entire um, the entire process of psychedelic acid psychotherapy in order to be able to focus it on that dosing session um, in psychedelic treatment. So will you guys say that this uh, using VR as a, uh, in, this, in this fashion, can we say that it's more of uh, taking the place of set and setting? And folks, when we talk about set and setting in the psychedelic space, we're basically talking about the mindset of the person that is going through this process, as well as the environment where this person is going to uh where the actual therapy is going to take take place so uh talk to me about that well, is that what we are looking at here yes spot on absolutely um so all those elements that contribute to to the mindset um and the setting whether it's an immediate setting so if you think about setting um, there are a lot of components to that. So there is that immediate environment that is surrounding the patient as they go through the experience. Um, there is the uh, presence of other people. So the presence of the of the therapist or other members of the group, if it's group therapy. Uh, but there's also all the other elements that are maybe less immediately impactful, but they're just as impactful on the experience. Um, there is the um, the patient history, there is all the cultural aspects or the social political aspects that impact their belief system, for example, and what they bring with them um, into that um, um, sort of the medical setting. So what we are working on is creating a more cohesive type of container for the patient journey. So that's something that they can bring with them from the first session of preparation um, throughout all the preparation um, uh, sessions, through the dosing session, and throughout the entire process of integration, up until the point of uh, self-practice as well, where they can continue their therapy um, on their own for as long as that serves them. So we look at um, the sort of the experience design of the entire psychedelic treatment and try to provide a context that unifies all those sessions. And that context is um, including all those set and setting elements that we find VR being very successful at modulating in a way that is very subtle. And again, in the way that is less maybe cognitive and analytical, the way talk therapy is, and much more immersive and emotional and embodied, uh, which has much more parallels with what the psychedelic experience feels like. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to come to you next, Dr. Prash. Uh, you guys, two of you have published uh, a well-known uh, publication in the world's first academic paper about psychedelic-assisted therapy, how clinicians can begin to use uh, 
research and the environment to kind of uh, add it to what they are doing. In that paper, you suggest that virtual reality as a full spectrum tools table to capitalize on as a kind of catalyst. Can you uh, talk to us uh, a little bit more about how you are talking about it being a broad spectrum? And folks, when we talk about being a broad spectrum, think of your antibiotics. Think of, uh, say, like uh, vancomycin. Uh, they literally cover a lot of bugs. They just don't take uh, one bugs. They take a whole bunch of, of bugs. That's why mm. they are very powerful. So when you talk about virtual reality in the space of psychedelics, and you are referring to it as a broad spectrum agent, explain that to our audience, please. Sure. I think when you when you think about any intervention or when you design any intervention, there's always a balance that needs to be struck between sensitivity and specificity, between how broad a base you want to cover and how specifically targeted you want that intervention to be. Um, and virtual reality allows both of those capabilities. I mean, one of the great things about tech is that an infinite amount of variation and variability can be interjected with just a matter of a simple amount of code. Um, and it's, it's capacity to therefore work in whatever way you choose it to work is one of the great advantages um, of virtual reality. And therefore, what we've designed, we see as being able to be treatment condition agnostic, substance agnostic, um, with only slight variations in timing and the way it is utilized. So it remains a broad spectrum tool, but its specificity um, in, in, in a specific, every specific indication is then modulated by the therapist who chooses to adapt it for use in a very specific manner. And therefore we find it as being able to target sort of, you know, uh, yeah, counter both targets, both in terms of being broad as well as being specific. Um, based on how the therapist chooses to use it. And if I might add to that, um, so VR is well known for the amount of and the type of stimuli it can project on the user. So of course, we've got a whole range of environments that you can select from a whole range of models, functionality, experiences that you can, that can be used to project this stimulus on the person who's using VR. But I, what we also refer to as a, as a broad spectrum tool is those other capacities of VR that are often forgotten, which is the ability to also buffer from the stimulus. So it's not only about what you project on the user, but what you take away. So if you think about the clinical setting that you're often in when you go for your dosing session, at least um, at the moment when um, psychedelics are predominantly in a stage of clinical trials, it might not be the most um conducive setting for um the you know the a great psychedelic experience for being able to go deep in and forgetting that you're surrounded by a clinical setting that you're being watched often by a, a therapist or two therapists who are present in a room that can be a little bit distracting for the patient so but vr has this through that process of immersion has this unique capacity to really make people forget where they are um, and they do believe that that environment that they're surrounded by is real or as, as real as it gets. That's something that you can't get with, for example, um, a notepad or your phone, right? If you use other tools to project stimuli on the patient, they're still in that same environment. So if, if they can draw, for example, their experience, um, they've got all those, all those tools available to them, but they're still 
immersed in a clinical setting. And it's that capacity to take someone out of that setting and completely transform them, transform them into a different space that is very critical for the use of VR. And the third thing about the stimulus is that it's not just what we project, but also what the patient expresses. So the way we use VR um, and the way it's unique is that we treat it as a multi-sensory canvas and a big portion of that utility of VR in psychedelic sessions is what the patients themselves express and project onto the VR space. So they're creating the world around them and they're building a sort of an expression of what they're going through um, and project that on the VR space. Yeah, that is that kind of yeah, brought a, a specific thinking to my head as Agnieszka was uh, talking, Dr. Prash. Will you say that this VR, when a patient is going through this experience, it's also serving as a tool to help calm patients? Then, because when you're going through this experience, especially for patients that are new to this therapy, sometimes there is anxiety, there is all that. Will you say that envir VR environment also serve as a way of calming the patient down? Spot on. It's one of it's one of the ways that we do utilize VR. We do find that particularly leading into the psychedelic experience, and, and particularly so for people who are psychedelically naive, who've never had the experience, um, there can be a lot of anxiety going into that experience. And a lot of that anxiety is that internal dialogue that we have, right? That voice inside of us, whether you want to call it here or, or, your, or your monkey mind, as we sometimes talk about it. Um, and VR has, by virtue of being a fully immersive environment um, and awe-inspiring fully immersive environment, has the capacity to distract oneself and buffer one from your own internal dialogue and doing so can sort of remove you from that internal voice that's causing that anxiety um, and be a very effective anxiety alleviating tool yeah okay i'm gonna deviate a little bit i'm gonna go into something uh uh yeah uh microdosing you know we have looked at microdosing and Technically, scientifically, we don't see that downstream effect yet. We don't have the data to prove that we are having this effect. But when we go into the community, uh, the uh, indigenous people, the coaches, the people are testifying to the fact that microdosing is working for them. And sometimes we in this space, we're like, okay, maybe there is that power of the brain, the power of the body, to even heal itself, if this microdosing is actually not working, then if it's a placebo effect, it might be like, okay, our body have the capability to, to heal itself. Now bring me back to uh, VR. Do you think, talk to me, are, are we able, gonna be able to uh, manage people, treat people's uh, any kind of illness, mental wellness, uh, PTSD, name it. Are we going to be able to treat people with VR without using medicine? So this is something that we often get asked because I think um, when people think about VR psychedelics, the first thing that comes to mind is the replicating of the psychedelic experience within the VR space. Um, if you type in VR psychedelics, the first thing that comes up are fractals and all those crazy visuals that some of us experience um, under the, the influence of the medicine. 
Um, this is this is something we have been discussing from sort of very early days of, of starting this company. Um, we are far less focused on trying to replicate um, that experience and trying to use VR to replace it in a way because we are we do believe that those medicines are uniquely positioned to um, to target and to address some of the issues that um, technology might never be able to. Um, in a way, they are very different. Um, approaches very different modalities and have very different mechanisms of action. Um, and this is what made us so excited about the synergistic application of the two modalities rather than trying to use VR to replace the psychedelics. Um, we are very much focused on how can we marry the two approaches to use um, what we call the old world wisdom with the new world technology and to make the best of both worlds together to have the maximum treatment outcome for the patients. Um, yeah, that's yeah. my thing on that. You want to add to that, Dr. Prash? No. Um, I was going to, uh, the only bit that I would add is that one of our primary use cases for this, I mean, if you think of the way psychedelic integration happens now, it usually lasts for let's say six sessions after the psychedelic therapy session, right? Um, and that's often as much as the research institutions, clinical trials can, can afford to offer the patients. And then what happens after that? The patients are sort of kind of left um, without additional support. The way we utilize our virtual reality as an integration tool um, throughout those sessions and allow people to build up a sort of mental model of their of their whole psychedelic integration process, then allows that virtual reality scenario be to be something that the patient continues to use after a self self practice or self integration, um, which is something that we don't talk about enough in the psychedelic space. Um, whereas if you look look uh, back into the way indigenous cultures have used this, that process of reflecting back on that experience is is been you know, it's, it's a culturally uh, imbued sort of sense of how you work with these medicines. And for us, if if the virtual reality scenarios that we develop um, give people an additional ability to continue to, to continue self-integration at home, um, even after their, their formal therapy sessions are finished, even without the actual uh, psychedelic experience, then I think that we, we've, you know, we've brought a lot of good to, to the space. And that makes sense to me, Dr. Prash Agneska, because, I mean, we are in the age of COVID-19. Now we're dealing with uh, cowpox. Who knows uh, what uh, nature is going to throw in a place where you are not able to go and have that one-on-one -on -one with a coach or a clinician. This will be uh, a great tools where patients can still continue uh, their therapy. That, I'm kind of helping you guys to wrap to, to wrap it up. That brings me to uh to my next question. In your publication, uh you had concluded that the, there's that potential of VR uh in its modulating uh modalities as a psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. We need exploration, we need more needs to be done. With you guys are still gonna keep working. Can you talk to us about that? I mean, where do we go next with this uh, great, really, really pioneering tools? So we are we are researchers. So of course, uh, what we would like to see happen is uh, more research in this field and more studies um, on the uh, sort of synergistic use of VR and psychedelics. 
what we've done so far is we've just conducted the world's first study on using um, our VR models with um, psychedelics. Um, we've done this in the Netherlands with psilocybin travels um, and with healthy volunteers in order to get feedback of how feasible this um, combined treatment is. What is the level of appropriateness and acceptability among users um, to use those two modalities together? Um, and we also looked at some other measures of how this can reduce anxiety, as you were speaking about, um, of how um, evocative the VR experience is for the user um, during their integration session, for example. So we've collected some very basic, uh, very, very early days data on how those two modalities work together. Um, but of course, this is this is again very early days, and we would like to expand this research and dive deeper into that and to understand what is it exactly about this combined uh, modality that works. Who does it work for best? Um, how can we uh, apply this in different protocols? How can we tweak this for different indications? Um, and what sort of experiences really? Um, make the most or have the most impact on the patient experience. So we would like to see more research, especially using qualitative data. So using interviews with patients, getting feedback from patients of their own thoughts and emotions and how they respond to those models um, and what they would like to see happen in the future. In our research, what we do a lot is we we talk to a lot of therapists, we, we talk to a lot of clinicians, uh, scientists to get their thoughts on where we are headed and what we could do better. And we find this really critical in the process of reiteration and updating our models and developing further models um, so that it's not just based on our own opinions, it's not just based on desktop research, but it's based on a lot of sort of real-time feedback over and over every single time we introduce a new function. And we would like this to happen with any sort of VR application within the psychedelic space. So we'd like companies who are involved in this um, to conduct their own research to make sure that they get as much feedback as possible from uh, clinicians who are experienced with psychedelics, um, that they conduct trials that with patients or with healthy volunteers um, to look at the measures that are really being affected um, and where are where our efforts are best put into to improve this technology. So basically trying to conduct clinical trials um, in the next few years to make sure that we've got as much information, as much data, uh, and as much knowledge about this very novel approach uh, before we actually hit you know, commercial use um, or take this further to industry. Um, we are big believers in having the science-first approach, and collecting as much information, as much data as possible before making any decisions that will be brought into clinics yeah. and yeah. will kind of perpetuate into sort of the clinical use, right? So, yeah. So from those data, I'm getting that you've uh, seen some positive feedback uh, from them. Is there any of those positive feedback that you uh, previewed to share with us today? Um, yeah, there is. Um, so we got, uh, from our interviews, we got um, a lot of feedback on participants using VR to be brought back to their psychedelic experience without the repeat dosing um, during the integration process. Um, so what we've done was uh, we, our case studies were, um, we ran this over um, two days for each participant. One day was the dosing session and the second day was the integration session. 
And during the integration session, we use our VR to remind the patients of what they've been through during their psychedelic experience. And so the feedback mm. we got was that they were... Uh, people forgot a lot about their insights and what they've actually experienced already on the next day um, after the dosing session. Um, and they're, in their statements, um, they told us that they're actively reminded by this immersion yeah. in the VR model of what it felt like and what they thought about when they were going through the psychedelic experience. Nice. And there seemed two, two streams of that, one psychological and one emotional. So they were reminded of actually what their thoughts were, but they were also brought back into that um, sort of ineffable sensation or the, or the feeling of knowing something very profound by being immersed in the same environment. I mean, we are, I mean, time goes fast when we are talking these fantastic topics, but I, I cannot let you guys go without asking this one last question. What is the legality behind uh, the, this mo uh, models that you guys have? Is there, what is the le uh, legal, because I know some of our audience, even uh, organizations might want to know, learn more about this and yeah, talk sure. to us. Um, I think the, the legal barrier is not nothing to do with the virtual reality. The legal barrier is to do with psychedelics um, and the state of psychedelic therapy in whatever country or state that you currently are in. Um, for example, where we are in Australia, um, we can use psychedelics in research. Um, and that, that ties in perfectly with our approach, but we, it's not legal for use in therapy. I know there are certain states in the United States, for example, that have started to decriminalize psychedelics and where there are clinics and retreats that are starting to open up. So the, the barriers on the psychedelic side and whatever the, the regulation around psychedelics in the area that you live is going to be um, the, the barrier that defines this. Um, but in terms of research institutions or clinics who are able to work with psychedelics, being able to use our virtual reality, um, there's no further barriers to that. And we welcome anyone, um, you know, any clinicians or therapists or researchers who, who want to um, work with our models to, to contact us and we'd love to be able to work with them. Awesome. And that is what we are talking about. Education is going to be the tools. We have to continue to advocate for the plant. Plants are not the bad guys. They are gifts from Mother Nature for us to enjoy. Plants have been here forever. Most of our conventional medicine, we are originally derived from herbs. Ayahuasca, uh, psilocybin is not different from your garlic or ginger. It's just that Mother Nature put a little extra stuff in there to help us heal. Anyway, Dr. Praj and uh, Agnieszka, where can our folks find you? Where can we find you? I mean, you can find us on our website, which is uh, inosistherapeutics.com. Uh, Inosis comes from an um, ancient Greek word meaning union, the union of old world wisdom and new world technology. Um, so find us on LinkedIn or on our website, inosistherapeutics.com. And we're going to put all those information in our show notes. Folks, man, time goes fast when we are talking real stuff. But that is our show today. Find all the past episode on Cannabis Radio and WCIHealth.com. Please rate the show, give us five. And also check out the podcast, the past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Plus the show is on High Art Radio, Amazon Music, Google, and WCI Health, or wherever you find your uh, podcast. Follow me on social, IG, WCI Health 19, LinkedIn, Dr. Lola O. Ohamba. And of course, we can go without you knowing this. 
This is a pharmacist guide to cannabis, perspective of a non-conforming clinician. Go grab your copy. If you are out of United States, you can find it on Amazon as Kindle or paperback version. Uh, until next time, folks, remember health equals well. Bye for now. Bye, guys. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.